today we are talking about the amazing promise that God gave us. So I will read a text in chapter 3 of Genesis. We'll be reading from chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. This is one of the most important chapters in all the Bible. And it's foundational for a Christian worldview and to understand what God's grace is towards us. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And may God add his blessing to his word as we listen to it. And we commit it to be not just hearers of the word of God, but also doers of the word of God. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. It shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is a, a beginning of something that God will uh, already announce since the beginning of the creation. And the fall of Adam and Eve caused a domino effect on human history. It's there on the Garden of Eden that we can understand how mankind has fallen away from the plan of blessings that God has prepared for all of us. You see, every day we feel the effect of Genesis chapter 3 in our lives. You look around. You see evil almost be predominant. And this is as origin through that moment when Adam and Eve decide to disobey God's command. And I believe that it's very important that we consider we are still affected by the consequence of that fall. Every single moment... Every single day we see those effects being real in our society. And again, we see people suffering. We see people affected by sickness and disease, by war, by famine, by calamities that are coming. And seems to be really something negative that came out of that moment in the Garden of Eden. But it is something beautiful that happened also. Because yes, there are bad news, but there is also a good news that God is giving to us. Since the beginning, He speaks about a promised Savior that will come and fix what human being had ruined. And today I want to talk about this promise that we have in Christ Jesus. As we read, this morning there will be a seed coming out of the woman that will be able to make peace between God and humankind. And if you don't have made peace with God this morning, could be maybe on a good occasion for you to consider your state, your condition, and not be affected negatively from what happened in the Garden of Eve, but just receiving the promise of a, a Savior. And this season of Christmas is speaking about this coming Savior that came to change and to fix the effect of sins in our lives. So this morning, briefly, I want to show you three points. First is the reason about incarnation. The reason about Jesus' incarnation. 
then the nature of uh, the incarnation of Jesus, and then the impact that Jesus had while he came here on earth for us. Let's begin with the reason of Jesus' incarnation. You see, we have here the reality of a lost paradise. God created everything beautiful. And on top of the creation that was so beautiful, he created humankind and said that it was not just beautiful and good, it was very good. And he gave Adam and Eve the ability to rule over all creations. So everything was good. Above all, they were enjoying the fellowship with God. They were enjoying talking with God. They were enjoying having communion with God. And there was a, a brilliant future for them. They were enjoying no need for work. The Garden of Eden was a paradise. But you know, in all this, we understand that Adam and Eve were deceived by the enemy. They disobeyed what God has given to them. God says to them, you have all, all power all over creation. But one thing I ask you to do, not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of evil and good. They were enticed by the devil. And they decided to disobey God. And disobeying God, they disrespect God. They offend the holy God that was so generous with them. And this speaks also that Adam and Eve sins revealed since the beginning the plan of the enemy. You see, Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil that in that moment it took form of serpent. And uh, he deceived them saying, the reason why God stopped you to eat of the fruit is because you will become like him. He pushed the bottom of pride. And because of that, they disobey God. You see, the devil tried to ruin what God tried to make for them. And it's always that. The devil will try to ridicule and to destroy the holiness, the image of God towards a human being. It's not the same even in our days. What the devil does... A picture of God that is not loving. God is responsible for the evil in this world. If God was so loving, why we have to suffer? Why we have to see things going wrong? If we believe in a loving God, why we have to be sick? You understand? The devil is trying to picture negatively the image of God. I want you to notice something. Adam and Eve, they were in the best position not to sin. But they sinned. What I'm trying to say with this, there is not an environment that will uh, protect you from being a sinner. You know, sometimes we say, oh, if I will remove myself from this and this, I will not be able to sin. You can sin even this morning here while you are in this place. What really gives you freedom is because of the grace of God. It's not up to human to resist sin in their own strength. It's only because Christ lives in us. It's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the love that you have for Christ. God is a righteous God. And right away, he put the sentence over the serpent, over the devil. He demoted it even more. 
Isaiah and Ezekiel will speak about the devil fall from the presence of God. God says here, you will be cursed above every other animal. You will crawl on your belly forever. And you will eat dust all the days of your life. We don't know if before the serpent were standing. But now we know that he was put it lower. Lower than everybody else. Lower than every other animal. God brought judgment on the devil. But the most important thing is that Jesus was revealed to us. And it's something that speaks on the second part of the sermon. The nature of Jesus' incarnation. So if the first point is that Jesus came to solve the problem that Adam and Eve made for us sinning. We will see now the nature of that incarnation. What is the nature? It's an unusual way to describe the way that Jesus came on earth. The Bible says that her seed, the seed of her woman, will bring that enmity between the devil and the woman. And it's unusual here because usually you speak about the seed as a, the father, the male. But here is say the woman. And this samples to say that no human was involved in conceiving Jesus Christ. It will be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary. No one before or since after that entered to the world without the contribution of a male. Only Jesus came through the virgin birth. Only Jesus has that prerogative. Jesus will be born of a virgin. And though we don't see his name in this passage... Later on, the scripture reveals what happened. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read what already is announced and proclaimed in Genesis 3.15. In Isaiah 7.14, we read, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us. So you understand that the nature is unique. There is no other man that came to this world, a woman that came to this world, like Jesus did. And it was important that Jesus was born through a virgin. It was important that Jesus came from a woman. It was important. If there is any doubt about Jesus being the seeds of the woman... We will be clarified later on in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1 verse 18 and uh, uh, towards verse 24. We are told that Joseph, when he knew that Mary was pregnant, though he was not having any intimacy with him, he was advised by the angel not to reject Mary. Why? Because Joseph, son of David, say. The angel, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You understand, Jesus was not conceived by the human male sperm. And uh, verse 22 says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken 
by the prophet. It means that Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy in Genesis 3.15. So Jesus came to defeat the power of sin. Adam's fall did ruin the human race. And because of that, our sins need to be forgiven. We need a savior. We need somebody that will bring peace between us and God. We need somebody that will change the nature of our human being. Human heart. You see, today, rarely we love to talk about sin. Our world is in denial about sin. And sadly, even in some churches, there is no emphasis on sin anymore. And I believe that we should be very careful not to change what the Bible says. Today, we are, we are trying to beautify the damage of sin because it's offending us. It's offending our flesh. It's offending who we are. And not long ago, I read this article where a pastor was encouraging other pastors to preach and not to mention the word sinners, but he used a different way to describe a sinner. He was saying, to describe a sinner, you should use this expression, a person who is morally challenged. <laughs> the Bible calls for what it is. It is what it is. Sin is sin. When you disobey God, you are missing the target. You are missing the blessing of God and living in holiness. So Jesus came to rescue us from the power of sin. You see, some say God is so gracious. They pride themselves on tolerance and acceptance of everyone, no matter whatever they have done. Their theme verse is this. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Others emphasize judgment. Their favorite verse is prepare to meet that God. You see, there is an imbalance. Some people say you can sin as much as you want. God will forgive you. Other people will say there is never enough grace for your life. You will be judged for your sin. Neither this extreme pictures the truth of the Bible. Because God is gracious, but is also righteous. Is righteous and holy, but also is gracious. He extended to us grace where we were not deserving anymore. But He's expecting from us to live a holy life. He's expecting us that we separate ourselves from those things that are sinful. Why? Because he has been equipping us. He has given the Holy Spirit in us. He has died on the cross for our sins. And our sins are forgiven. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are many things that we can do to offend God. But if we believe in the power of Jesus, if we believe on the sacrifice on Calvary, then we will understand how blessed we have as we contemplate the coming of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus clearly fulfilled that uh, prophecy. He fulfilled the first messianic prophecy 
that horrible Friday when he was on the cross, Satan struck Jesus' heel. It's interesting that we read, he will bruise your heel. And heel, we see there's a minor wound that will not take your life. It's very painful. Thank God I never had a problem with my heel. But it, sometimes I speak with people and uh, they told me how painful it is to have a problem with your heel. You cannot even walk properly. It's so painful. And you see, when Satan saw Jesus dying on the cross, rejected by the world, rejected by his own disciples, he found joy in seeing Jesus' death. He thought that the battle was over for him. He had finally won. But this was just something temporarily that didn't affect the plan of redemption that God had prepared through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus rose again after three days and he ascended to the power of God by the Spirit of God is the right hands of the Father and he is interceding for you and I this morning. So that's why when we speak about Christmas, we understand the great miracle. It's true, the Satan tried to bruise the heel of Jesus, bring him suffering and death. But Jesus crushed the head of Satan while he accomplished the sacrifice on the cross. He won the battle, being faithful until the end. Remember what he prayed on the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if you can, remove from me the cup. He knew he suffered the agony of bearing on himself all the sins of the world. If you can, Father, remove this from me. But not my will, but thy will will be done. So he accomplished the task until the end. And because of that, he was resurrected by the power of God. And this is the final victory that today we can enjoy. You and I this morning, we can enjoy the fact that Jesus definitely destroyed the power of the enemy. I love what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 says. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. Brothers and sisters, this morning we can celebrate the fact that the enemy has been destroyed. That we cannot have any fear. We cannot be slave anymore. Because Jesus crushed the head of the enemy, of the serpent. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the second part says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Praise the Lord. He's already judged. He is a loser. He's a loser. He lost the battle. I remember... When I was a child, my grandfather had chickens. He was raising chickens. And I remember when he was cutting the head of the chick. You may, sorry, is that a cruel image that I give it to you? 
forgive me for that. But I still have before my eyes those chickens without head that were going left and right with no directions. Their head was over. It was dead living for a few seconds. Now, in the terms of eternity, think like that. Jesus crushed the head of Satan. It's just running without direction. Don't be afraid. The nature of the incarnation that today and the season we are celebrating is that he came to destroy the power of death. He came to destroy the origin of sin. So if this is the nature, what is the impact of Jesus' incarnation on your life, on my life? You see, there will be an endless conflict between the different offsprings that came from the woman and from the devil. As I said, the chicken is still going on even if the head isn't there. Though for us it seems forever, but judgment is given to him. You see, you have uh, two different offsprings here. It is interesting, if you look at the Hebrew word for seed, Zara, it means that can be given to a person of a group of people. So it's interesting here. You can apply this in both meanings. It's given to a person, Jesus Christ, the offspring of the woman, but also is given to those who believe in Jesus Christ. So you and I as a Christian, as a group. We are battling with the power of the enemy. The enemy has also his own offspring. He started already at the beginning with Cain killing Abel. Remember? And even Jesus addresses the people that were listening to him in chapter 8 of John. Called them children of the devil. They were questioning his authority and his deity. Say. Your father is the devil one. The one who sinned since the beginning. So through the history we see people. That are being used by the devil. To be cruel. To be able to damage other people. And sometimes when even in our days. We see this story of people. That are killing without no reason. When we see people take advantage of their power and inflicting pain and sorrow and distress on entire nations, we are clearly saying, if we could say that these are the offspring of the devil working. But the good news is that though there is this battle, we're still working in victory. We're still working in victory, my brothers and sisters. Satan sometimes may win the battle. He may win some of those battles. But the war, the final war is already won. You don't need to win the war. Jesus won for you. You just have to walk in the victory. He has many reasons to let you understand that you are a victorious person if you trust him. If you follow him. As the devil has many tools in his arsenal. And he shoots at God's people every time. 
as often we say, the devil was never in retirement. He doesn't take any vacation. He's always active. It will come to you. And when you think that you are strong enough, it will come to let you fall because your guard is down. It will do its best to let you lose the relationship with God. It's a stealer. It's a destroyer. It's a killer. The evil one uses repetitive and excessive blows to break you down, to break us down. Sometimes discouragement comes with no reason. Sometimes you can be wounded by this battle. But however, in those moments where you feel that you lost the battle and you lost the war, keep reminding to your soul, keep reminding to yourself that the final battle is over. Jesus won the battle. You are victorious in Jesus. And no matter what, Christ has given you authority to overcome the power of the enemy. Christ has given a new identity to those who believe in him. God has already put the serpent lower than you. He has put the serpent, the enemy, defeated at your feet. You need to keep him down. Satan can only bruise men's heel, but we can crush his head every time. We can take authority in Jesus' name because Jesus already has won the battle. The power doesn't come from us. It comes from who lives in us. It's Christ living in us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And when you are tempted, when you are offended by the weapons of the enemy you take authority in Jesus name by the blood of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit you can walk on victory over temptations don't let the enemy intimidate you don't let the enemy discourage you trying to put you down you can use your weaponry Paul says that weapons are not carnal but are powerful are spiritual they give you the ability to overcome. Praise God for this. I'm the only one to be excited this morning in this house. I don't know. I'm so excited that I have a victory in Jesus. I am excited to know that we can walk on the victory of Jesus Christ this morning. God has set us free. God has set us free. We have the power to overcome the enemy. Hallelujah. We need to remind ourselves daily of the salvation we have in Christ and Him. We are made a new people. All the old things are past. We are a new creation now. We have been adopted in the family of God. And though trials and tribulation may come, we know we are in Christ. And He has given us the victory. I love what Jesus mentioned to his own disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Hallelujah. We spoke about that peace this morning. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have a tribulation. The life of the Christian is not an easy one. You will have a tribulation. But take heart. Take heart, Fairview, this morning. Take heart, my friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. And the sentence is overriding every other power. Praise the Lord for this.
I overcome the world. So let me wrap up this sermon with some conclusion. What we are going to do to make this Christmas meaningful this year. First of all, we will remember that the Christian life is not exempt from trials. We have to remember that all the time. Don't trust those people that say that if you are Christian, you will never have problems. That's not true. And you can confirm that. I can confirm that. We have problems. We have problems. We deal with our weaknesses. Right? Struggles implies effort. It implies endurance, perseverance. Until the day you will I die. And Lord Jesus will resurrect us with a new body. We will be struggling with trials and tribulation. But don't get discouraged. Christ our captain has won the disciple battle. And wear and clothe yourself by the victory of Jesus Christ. Then we will be aware that there are no victories without pain. There is no victory without battle. We couldn't celebrate if there was no pain and deliverance. I praise God for all the battle that he brings in my life. Because I know that even if there is sufferings, even if there is pain, I know that even if there is tears and evening, the new morning will come and there will be joy in our hearts. And I'm looking forward to the glorious day when Jesus Christ will bring us to him with him. And then pain will finish. Tears will stop. We will be in the presence of the Lord. And when we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we should remember that our citizenship is not on this earth. We belong to the heaven. We belong to a new city. Let's remember that. That even when you go through pain and difficulties and tribulation, let's keep our eyes high on Jesus Christ, our author and the finish of our faith. And then... We will make this Christmas meaningful as we anticipate that one day Satan's head will be crushed once for all. And it will be judged and thrown in the lake of fire forever and ever. Although we may doubt and we may arbor those doubts in our hearts as we see evil flourishing around us. Let's keep focusing on the final judgment that is given to the devil. He's already defeated my brothers and sisters. And praise God for this. I love what uh, Reverend Richard Halverson, a Presbyterian minister, said one day to somebody that told me why Jesus didn't uh, stay here on earth and remove every trial and tribulation on this earth. He answered with these words that really touched me. Simply because he was the great physician. And in the finest tradition of medical science, he was unwilling to remain preoccupied with the symptoms when he could destroy the disease. It's a deep affirmation. Jesus didn't cure the symptom. He cured the disease. So keep your Christmas thinking about that. The disease has been destroyed. Cured forever. And when you go through trials and tribulation think what Paul says 
that you will never be given something that you cannot bear it with it. Amen? Can you stand with me this morning, please? Father God, as we come at the end of this service, O oh Lord, we are so grateful. You give us hope since the beginning of creation, O oh God. You came to give us life. You came in a very unique way. You didn't send an angel to die on the cross and to pay the debts of our sins. But you took form as one of us. And you endured the death on the cross to ensure victories to us. Father God, I'm so grateful for people that have accepted that sacrifice. I'm so grateful for the salvation that you are giving to us freely. Without no strings attached, oh God. It's your grace in us. But our grace is not cheap. It costs your life on earth. It costs you come and be one of us. This morning, oh dear God, I pray that our faith will be strengthened. So this morning, oh God, if there is somebody that is going through difficult times, through trial, tribulation, I pray that your Holy Spirit will remind them that you won the battle, that you overcame the enemy. And I pray, oh Lord, that your victory will be acknowledged in their lives. So thank you once again for your amazing grace. We give you glory and honor. And we ask you these things. In the mighty name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all the people of God says, Amen. Amen.